Hello, hello. Thank you so much for once again joining me on the way. So today we're going to be continuing our book study of James. But before we do that, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your people. I thank you, Father God, for your word. I thank you, God, because your word is light and your word helps us to see clearly. Your word gives us revelation. Your word reveals things to us that were hidden before from us, from our hearts, from our minds. Lord, I thank you because your word helps us to see what you say to us and what we should be hearing. Your word helps us to differentiate between the words of the enemy and you. Father God, I ask that you open up the word, the ears of everyone who is listening. Open up the hearts of everyone who is listening, oh Father God. May they feel what you would have them feel, oh God. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. I ask God that you bless this podcast, that you bless everybody who is listening, oh God. May you use me as your mouthpiece tonight. I thank you, God. I praise you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so let's go ahead and just uh, jump right in and start reading. Uh, James chapter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 14. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. Foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Okay. So let's start at verse 14. This is James chapter 2, verse 14. says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? So uh, just starting in this verse right here, I want to clarify the type uh, or what he means by having faith but not having works. So there is the faith that has saved you when you believed Jesus Christ, right? So that faith, uh, first you repent of your sins and you abandon hope of being made right with God or being made righteous on the basis of your own good works. At that point, you put your trust only in the mercy of God uh, that he offered by Jesus Christ dying on the cross and then you're saved. That is your saving faith. But the faith that they are talking about here is a faith that produces good works. I want to go ahead and read uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10. It says, 
For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, right, we receive the Holy Spirit. And once we have that Holy Spirit within us, that Holy Spirit starts producing fruit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. And uh, another way I could put this, if you don't really understand, oh, fruit of the Spirit. Um, Basically, the Holy Spirit that he receives starts to work. It starts to change you from the inside out. It causes you to do different things. And one of the things that it causes you to do is to produce good works or basically work by the Spirit to show love to God's people. And um, let's go ahead and read Galatians 5 22 to 23 it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness self-control against such things there is no law so when James asks can his faith save him not it can't if you're just if you're okay if you're a Christian right and you say you have faith in God, but there is no evidence of that faith in you, um, then we can't, what is the evidence that you are truly saved? The reason you would have this evidence is because you would have the Holy Spirit that is operating in you. That Holy Spirit that is operating in you is given to you by God when you accept Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not operating through the Holy Spirit, that means you're operating through your flesh. And the flesh only works against the Spirit. Now, if you are working by the flesh and you're saying your good works, um, you, you're, you're, you have good works and that shows that you're a Christian, that would be like somebody um, who is doing it for the acclaim, who is doing it for accolades. So they are working in order to be deemed righteous, but they are not working from a place of love. They just want recognition, basically. That is working from the flesh. And we know that that is working from the flesh because um, that is one of the works of the flesh. So let's go ahead and go to Galatians 5. And we'll start at verse... Let's start at verse 16. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And the law is what um, the Israelites used to use in order to be made righteous by God. Now let's continue. In verse 19 it says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, um, so if, if somebody is doing good works, in order to be, in order to look like they are righteous, in order to look like they are saved, 
that is a work of the flesh because I mean right there two of the things that it listed moral impurity and selfish ambitions you're trying to be to look good with man as opposed to just being right with God and working through the love that he's placed in your heart that is going to overflow onto other people so let's go ahead and keep going that basically means that when we have true faith that faith produces good works through love and we can see that in Galatians I love Galatians today Galatians and and James are just working together you don't even know (laughs) so I'm going to start in verse 5 it says for through the spirit by faith we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything What matters is faith working through love. Let's keep going. It says, you are running well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? So the only thing that would prevent us from obeying the truth is our flesh. Basically, our own human thoughts and desires working against the spirit of God would prevent us from working in love. It continues on to say, this persuasion did not come from the one who called you. A little yeast leavens the whole lump of dough, which is, and that basically means that it's important for us to guard our hearts because whatever we let in that is from the flesh and does not match up with the spirit of God can basically misconstrue all of your thoughts. It can pervert your thoughts and how you operate where you'll think that you're operating in love. You'll think that you're operating in the spirit when really you're working by the flesh. In verse 10, he says, I have confidence in the Lord. You will not accept any other view, but whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are disturbing you might also get themselves castrated. So, um, he is here talking about circumcision, basically, um, because in the past, uh, when... God first marked the Israelites or Abraham as his, um, as you know, the beginning of his people. He said that they needed to get circumcised in order to mark them as the children of God. And so Paul is saying that um, if he is preaching that he has to be marked physically to, um, to be shown as a as a, a, a child of God, why is he still being persecuted? And he was being persecuted because he has switched from what the Jews were teaching him to now what Christianity is, which is basically being saved by grace as opposed to being saved by the law. Anyways, let's keep going. In verse 13, Galatians 5, 13, it says, For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. So the reason why the, it says in verse 14 that the entire law and the prophets is um, fulfilled by loving your neighbor as yourself is because of this new covenant, Right? So the new covenant is the, uh, the fact that we are saved by grace and this grace we receive, um, because Jesus died on the cross and we have faith that he died on the cross and he did the work, that he was a perfect sacrifice, that he was the perfect, uh, he was a sacrificial lamb and he paid the penalty once and for all. 
but in the past, in order to be recognized as a child of God and to be uh, righteous with God, you had to keep all the laws that were given. And um, if you were good, then you were righteous. But if you sinned, then you would have to sacrifice a lamb. And that lamb would pay the penalty for your sin, which was death. But that's not the case anymore. Our sacrificial lamb is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, because he was perfect, because he did not sin, he fulfilled all of the prophecies and he fulfilled all of the law. So all we have to do is go to Jesus and repent when we do sin as opposed to, you know, oh man, I got to find a lamb tonight. It has to be unblemished. Like, I don't know where I'm going to have time for that. You don't have to do none of that. (laughs) You don't have to do that. You just turn to Jesus and say, God, I sin. Please forgive me. Please help me. You know, help me to be right with you. And he will help you as long as you turn around, you repent and you go back the other way and follow his law. So when Jesus came, the Pharisees um, heard that he had basically like showed up the Sadducees, which are basically two, uh, anyways, let's keep going, two groups <laughs> that really had it out for Jesus when he was here on earth. And so we're going to turn to Matthew 22, starting, starting in verse 34. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, silenced the Sadducees, they came together and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is greatest? So they're trying to trip him up, basically. In verse 37, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And the reason why all the law and the prophets depend on those two commands is because the laws that God gave in the past, if you really read all of them, they all point to either not sinning against God and not sinning against your neighbor that's pretty much it and if you sinned against your neighbor whether it was adultery or it was coveting or it was stealing or whatever the case may murder you know um that's a sin I mean, for because the bible says that all have sinned and all fall short so there is no you know one is greater than the other regardless if you sin in the past you are either, or even today, if you sin, you are either sinning against God or sinning against your neighbor. And if you are sinning against yourself, then you're also sinning against God because you are made in the image of God. So basically you are violating your temple, which is where he made you, right? And where he dwells. So when you decide to love your the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, love, that is the main basis you are following God's most important commands because everything that God has done for us is out of a place of love that does not mean that he is not just that does not mean that he does not get angry or that you know we don't suffer consequences when we sin because we still do but the fact of the matter is as a Christian our job is to love other people and our job most importantly is to love God And when you are coming and when you are working through the spirit and you are working from a place of love, that is because God's love is so overpowering. It's so, 
It's so amazing that you as a sinner, that you as a broken, messed up person is receiving love and grace, that you don't have to pay the penalty of, of death, that he po- that he's pouring upon you, that you just can't help to go and give it to somebody else. Which brings us to back to James. Verse 15, it says, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. So the one, of, one of the reasons why he's like he gives that example about a person who needs help and you're like god bless you you know stay warm is because our love should be so great that when we see our neighbor suffering we have to help them we find a way to help them whether that's giving them a blanket it's just it's just you know just sometimes it's just common sense stuff like if i see that my child for some strange reason has kicked off the covers in the middle of the night when I go check on them. My first thought is not, well, I mean, I don't know why you kicked that off anyways. No, I love my son or my daughter. You need to stay warm while you're sleeping. So I'm going to put that cover on you. That is me acting out of love. If you see somebody out on the street and, you know, I know sometimes we're like, well, you know what they doing on the street? Why don't I get the job? Listen, I don't know. And you don't know what happened. Our, our job is not to judge, remember, in the uh, James chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. Our job is not to judge people. Our job is to love them. So if you can hand them a meal, if you can give them 50 cents, whatever the, a hat, whatever the case may be, um, that demonstrates your love more than just saying, God bless you, and just hoping that they kind of figure it out. Because love I mean, honestly, love demands action. If when I met my husband, if he didn't show me that he loved me by even just just a phone call a day, you know, or, you know, the way he looked at me or, you know, deciding to hold the door open, just little things. It doesn't have to be no grand gestures like flowers filling up the room. I mean, that's nice and everything, but that's not the point. (laughs) It's, it's, It's the gestures that show that somebody really cares about you. Just the same way that, you know, if you're talking or if you're talking to somebody, you're dating somebody and they just ghost you, you're not going to be like, well, they said they loved me and they haven't spoken to you in two weeks. That doesn't make any sense. And it's the same way. It requires love. True love requires action. Let's keep going here. (laughs) All right. So verse 18 says, but someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith from my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. So this is once again talking about somebody who is saying basically, okay, you can have your faith and I'll go ahead and do the work. But at the end of the day, it's not about us doing the work in order to show we have faith because God already did the work. He did the work for us. Now our job is to operate by the Holy Spirit within us and having in, in, um, in the faith that we have now and demonstrating that love that he has shown us to other people. And the reason why 
we can honestly point that uh, love or faith demands action is let's look at verse 19 it says you believe that God is one and you do well he's like good for you 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 believe that that's great for you the demons also believe and they shudder now the demons also believe that God is who he says he is but guess what they're demons because they don't walk in obedience they know exactly who he is but they don't walk and demonstrate love so what is what is going to be the difference between you and a demon from if if the only basis of you showing that you're or uh, the fruit only fruit that you have is that you have faith but there is nothing flowing from that faith I mean that's a that's good for you as the bible says but we have to walk out obedience. I don't know if you guys know the story of um, the story of Saul. So let's go to 1 Samuel verse 15, 22 to 24. So there was a there was a battle basically, and God told Samuel, hey, um, when you're done, don't take anything. Just, just like kill everything. Just, just leave it there. Don't take anything. Well, he doesn't. He, he takes stuff. Okay. So that's what we're picking up from First Samuel 15, verse 22. It says, "Oh, and um, at, and also after he did that, um, Saul, Saul did that. Samuel found out basically." So then verse 22, it picks up, says, Then Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul answered Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the Lord's command in your words because I was afraid of the people. I obeyed them. Wow. (laughs) So Samuel tells him, you messed up, bruh. You decided that because you were more afraid of these people than God, remember the fear of God, you basically have lost your kingdom and God has rejected you. Could you imagine the blow to the heart that is? Oh my gosh, that is scary. God has rejected me because I have chosen not to demonstrate the faith that I have for him by and how much I love him by obeying him. But I was more worried about the uh, how I would look to other people. Well, that's what happens when you operate out of the flesh, out of the flesh. That's what happens when you are not showing when you are not producing fruit out of your faith it's like it's like a byproduct of fruit it's like fruit that got fruit basically you know (laughs) so let's keep going in verse 20 of james chapter 2 it says foolish man are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless wasn't abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son on the altar you see that faith was active together with his works and by works faith was perfected by works faith was perfected so works by itself so good deeds that we do to be deemed righteous or to be or because we want to be seen by man it is dead because knowledge of our faith or knowledge of God is not 
only enough. We have to operate in obedience. Trust leads to obedience, which leads to faith. And the reason why Abraham was justified is because when push came to to shove, the trial that he had to go through, his test, he showed that his faith was in God and that God would do what he said he was going to do, which is give him descendants that were um, as innumerable as the stars in the sky. And so he proceeded to start offering his son Isaac on the altar. He obeyed God, even past the fear, unlike Saul, who decided that the fear was too great, right? And through that, he was justified because God saw that he loved him and he had faith, true faith, and he walked that out in obedience. And at that point, his faith was perfected. And remember in James chapter one, when we talked about our faith being perfected, that means that our faith is showing that we have reached a new level. We have shown ourselves to be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so basically, it's like when you lift weights and finally, you know, it's you've been lifting heavy. You Maybe you've, you know, been lifting. You can't get past that after a certain point. But then you finally reach that peak where you get a new PR. It's the same thing. It's like, ah, okay, I see. You held up under pressure. It's those times when you don't act on your own. If, when you don't disobey what God has told you. Or you don't act out of fear like Saul. And run from God and, keep, and do what she used to do. But you keep pushing through. You keep pushing through. And you follow what he says no matter what your circumstances look like. That's when you are showed that's when you are showing that you have true faith through your works when you just keep moving when you just keep pushing when you keep following and you keep believing and you keep acting out of the place of faith and love that God has for you for other people and it continues on to say so the scripture was fulfilled when that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness and he was called God's friend and I don't know if you know this but I mean Abraham only had one physical son right one descendant that he saw but Abraham was the beginning of the line of David so basically Abraham's descendant is David and uh, David's descendant is Joseph who was the father or the husband of Mary the husband of Mary and even though Jesus Christ did not come you know physically from Joseph the fact of the matter is Jesus is a descendant of David and after we have believed Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior we become heirs and co-heirs of Christ so basically every single Christian anybody who has ever believed Jesus Christ not including all the descendants from Abraham to Joseph. We are all descendants of Abraham. So his promise was fulfilled. Imagine if Abraham didn't do that. Where would we be? Where would we be? But because of his faith, because he walked out in obedience, because he trusted God and his word and who he is and what he said he's going to do, because he loved God and out of that love, obeyed, obeyed God. We are here today and we are saved and we are free. And Rahab did the same thing. 
Verse 24 says, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So Rahab um, was a prostitute, as it said, um, back in the book of Joshua. And basically, when they came to scout the um, when they came to scout the area to see if it was good, um, the king got wind of this and told um, Rahab to basically capture them and bring bring them to to him. Um, but Rahab chose not to, obviously, because it says that he uh, she led them by a different route and then basically lied to the king and I just want to go there really quickly and show that she acted out of faith as well and this just goes to show that God will use anybody God will use anybody it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what you've done or where you come from or even like literally what you are doing right now if God wants to use you and you let him and you love him and you obey him he will so Okay, we're in Joshua chapter 2, and let's go ahead and um, go after, let's, let's start in chapter 8, I mean in verse 8. So Joshua chapter 2, it says, before the men fell asleep, she went up to the roof and said to them, and this is after she's told them where to go so that they don't get captured. She says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. The men answered her, we will give our lives for yours. If you don't report our mission, we will show kindness and faithfulness to you when the Lord gives us the land. And uh, if you continue on, you will see that her whole family was, was spared, basically. And right there, not only did she 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 have may have you know not had a direct connection to God but she obeyed God even though she did not exactly know him but she heard of who he was she heard of who he was and out of the awe and respect from what she's heard she has acted out of obedience and kindness to God's people and because of the fact that they now know why she did that they have decided to show kindness and faithfulness to act out of that faith to her and her family when God gives them the land and that is what God is calling all of us to do God is calling us to act out of love to act out of faith and knowing that you know he's God he is our God he is our Lord and Savior and whatever he has commanded us to do whatever he has asked us to do however he's asked us to walk no matter how hard it is or how scary it looks or who's going to look at us and maybe think of us a different way our greatest commandments are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts all our minds and all our souls and to love our neighbors as ourselves so through that faith that we have in him now we have to act out of that faith and love other people 
and show and, and love God. Love God and the love that he gives us will overflow. Psalm 23 5 says that God, you know, he prepares a table for us in front of our enemies. Basically, he has prepared a feast of basically blessings and our enemies look upon us. But he anoints us and our cup overflows. So that overflowing, we don't want it to be wasted. We don't want to keep silent. We don't want to discard the overflow that God has given us the overflow of love, the overflow of kindness, the overflow of gentleness, peace, goodness, faithfulness, peace, self-control. We want to give that to others. We want to show others. We want to demonstrate that the love that we have received, the grace that we have received is not just for us, but it's for everybody. It's for anybody, anybody who wants it. You can also have it. And so when we want people to, to change, to become better, you don't do that by giving them a whole bunch of laws to follow. And that was obvious when they gave the law and the prophets. That didn't cause the people's hearts to change. In fact, they probably rebelled a lot more afterwards. But the fact of the matter is, um, when we want people to change, it's when we show them love. We show them what real love looks like. We show them what real faithfulness looks like. Because, because then we don't want to stay the same afterwards. Who wants to keep treating somebody bad who has shown such goodness to us? Nobody. And God has shown us such goodness. He has, he has been so merciful and kind to us in the midst of who we are, of what we have done, what we are currently doing, whatever you're doing right now, or what you, you're deciding to do in the future. God has decided to show his love and to keep standing there and waiting and knocking and hoping that you will answer that so, he, so that he can show you his love and transform you from the inside out. And if that is the type of transformative love that you want, if you want to see real faith in action, if you want to see real love in action, and you've never seen that, then your best bet right now is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you do that, you will overflow. So you'll be filled up every single nook and cranny, every single cracked and broken place of yours that you feel like is missing or you don't know what's going on, how to fill that up that you're looking for and, and cuddy buddies or, you know, best friends or besties or whatever you want to call them or, you know, alcohol and drugs every time you want to get high just because you want to escape or you want to be numbed or you want to watch TV all day and not do anything. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is that you are looking for. God has that for you. And because he is so faithful to us, even though we've been rebellious to him, if we ask him earnestly, he will give it to us because he loves us. And if you want that, I just ask that you pray this prayer with me right now. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness to me. I thank you because you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, that through his faithfulness and his love, he has set me free. God, I ask that you forgive me for my sins. I repent. Please forgive me and send your Holy Spirit to enter my heart. I receive your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed this prayer, I'm so happy for you. Because that just means that you are going to experience a love and a faithfulness that you've never experienced before in your life. And I just hope and I pray that you walk in obedience, that you walk out that faith and show others, show others who you have received. That you walk out that faith and you show them the love that you have received. 
let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person who will listen. I thank you for your for your loving kindness. I thank you for your grace, oh Father God. I thank you, God, because you are good. You are too good to us. But I thank you because your goodness and your faithfulness never fails. Your faithfulness endures forever. Father God, please bless each and every person who listens. Bless their families, their homes, their loved ones, oh Father God. And may your spirit pour out upon them, oh Father God. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thank you so much for once again listening to The Way. If you have any questions, if you want to talk, if you need some prayer, if you want me to send you a Bible, please contact me. And you can do that by email. That's theway.20, the word, 20 at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-A-Y dot T-W-E-N-T-Y 20 at gmail.com. Thank you all. I love you and have a blessed week.